You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome inside Locked On Cardinals. I am the St. Louis Cardinals mega fan and your host for the show, Lucas Smith. Today is Friday, May the 21st, and we've got an exciting crossover today to preview the very exciting and very important Cardinals Cubs series coming up, and we are welcoming in the new host of Locked On Cubs, Mr. Joe Kilgallen. Joe, how you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good, and thank you for having me on. This is going to be very exciting, and you're right. This is uh, pretty pivotal. This is about as big as a series could get in the month of May. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Cardinals and Cubs only separated by, what, two games after the Cubs won Thursday? Um, three games. Three, three games. games. I, okay. I, I had to double-check before jumping on <laughs> with you. I didn't want Cardinals fans to be like, this idiot Cubs fan doesn't know the standings. Well, this idiot Cardinal fan didn't even know the standings, apparently. <laughs> so we'll, we'll go with three games. So, yeah, very pivotal. It could end up being, you know, one game separation where the Cardinals could create some space in between the two teams. But before we get into um, the series, I've had Sean Sears, former host of the of your podcast, on. So why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about yourself and um, and, and why they should still appreciate you as, as a Cub fan, even though, you know, you're off there on the wrong foot. But we'll see if we can like anyways. <laughs> Well, I hope they appreciate me because I'm a, I'm a very educated Cubs fan. I've been a Cubs fan my entire life, born into it and happily born into it. Also, I'm a stand-up comedian who has performed in St. Louis and have loved the St. Louis crowds. I've got a lot of friends down in St. Louis that come out to the shows. So I, I frequent the Funny Bone, which I believe is just outside of the city of St. Louis in Maryland Heights. And I've always had a great time there. And, um, and I'm just a diehard baseball fan. I appreciate great baseball. I really do. I was... Uh, I didn't hate Mark McGuire during the Sosa McGuire years, <laughs> even though so many, it helped that he had red hair and so do I. So that kind of made me be like, yeah, I kind of like Big Mac. Um, but yeah, I think at, at the end of the day, sports rivalries are great. We need rivalries. We love rivalries. I have no problem with, I'm going to root against you all day long. But if I meet someone and they're like, I'm a Cardinals fan, I don't go, ooh, boo. I go, no, this is great. You should be a Cardinals fan. You're from whatever part of the state of Illinois you're from or Missouri. And that's who you root for. And I think that's great. And we need that. And we, I hope it never goes away. Yeah, I think well, the Cardinal Cub rivalry specifically, I think is just such, like it's a rivalry. Don't get me wrong. Like they, they get heated on the field, but it's just so much more friendly, I feel like, than the Dodgers and Giants or the Red Sox and Yankees. And I love that part about it. And my twin brother actually is a Cub fan. So I have that within my own family of, of twin brothers being opposite. So that, that's definitely a, a different Different wow. take. Yeah, different experience. So that, that's a whole other conversation, but it, it's been it's been fun growing up with, with him for sure. But both the Cardinals and Cubs, as we get into a little bit more of the baseball talk here, have been playing pretty well this week. Cubs coming off um, a win on Thursday against the Nationals, you know, hovering or just around or above the 500 mark. What's been going right in Chicago the last week or so um, to get them to where they're at right now? Well, the bullpen has been lights out. They've Every young arm that the Cubs have actually developed which is a sentence Cubs fans haven't been able to say in a while because we really haven't developed any homegrown pitching in quite some time. Every arm that we brought up has been fantastic, and they've got throwing high 90s, crazy breaking stuff, and they've kind of come in without a fear. You know, normally you bring in a young bullpen arm and they're a little rusty, they get a little overly excited, wild in the strike zone. Every one of these guys has come up, and there's a story that I think all baseball fans should appreciate Tommy Nance. He's only made two appearances so far, but has been perfect in both appearances. He's a 30-year-old rookie, just made his major league debut. He was playing indie ball a few years ago, had some arm injuries. He's battled back from that. 
And ju- just to go from independent ball to be in a farm system is an incredible story. And to make it all the way up to the bigs is incredible. So that's really been a big turning point for the Cubs because the starting pitching has still been, eh, Kyle Hendricks is looking back like the Kyle Hendricks would come to expect. Zach Davies has come around and Edward Elzele has been great, but everyone else has been a little bit, it depends, you know, hit or miss. Mm-hmm. And the offense is starting to click too, but we've had some injuries here or there. But I think the bullpen is really the story that's turned it around and why the Cubs are in second place and nipping at the Cardinals' heels. Yeah, I definitely think that, you know, the Cardinals and Cubs can be similar in that regard. Because when you look at the Cardinals, that their bullpen with uh, Giovanni Gallegos, Kenneth Cabrera, and Alex Reyes have all been lights out, shut down, fantastic. Alex Reyes has only given up one run this year. Um, and again, it's still relatively early, but still pretty impressive for a full-time closer and everything like that. But one thing that I did want to ask you about is, is more on the offensive side of things. You've got a little cutout there behind you. It's Chris Bryant. He's seen, he got off to a red-hot start. He seems to be playing like the KB of old. Yeah, I don't know what it is. You know, some people like to say, hey, it's a contract year or whatever. I think he's just kind of healthy. I think he's got a, a baby boy now, his wife, and he had their first child, I want to say, last summer. And to deal with a pandemic season and, and lingering injuries, that, that was a lot, I feel like, for Chris. And now I think he's kind of gotten wiser and he's 29. He'll be 30 for hitting free agency. You know, I know as someone who has a four-year-old and a two-year-old, when you become a parent, there's a lot that changes you. Like I've got friends who are like, Hey, you are not nearly the maniac you used to be. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, it's not like I, something just kind of clicks in your brain. And I feel like that's the kind of energy Chris Bryant's been bringing. And he changed his swing a little bit. He was getting beat by a few pitches that I might not want to stand in the air. I don't know. You're, you, you've got a pretty big podcast. Cardinals <laughs> coaching staff could be listening to this and, yeah. and all of a sudden I'm giving away Cubs secrets, but he definitely, he tweaked his swing to the point where he's, he's catching up to some pitches that, were, that he was getting beat with. And he's staying back on some pitches. He was getting beat with a little bit. And really if every year he's been healthy, he's put up all-star numbers. So 2018, he was injured and, and had a bad season in 2020 last year. He had a bad season with the pandemic on top of it. That's the thing, too. I've got a lot of empathy for the players last year because mm-hmm. guys who were slumping, like Nolan Arenado, who's been killing it for you guys, had had a bad year in Colorado. I think as fans, we got to remind ourselves, they it's not like they could go out on the town and forget about it. Baseball is a mental game. Yeah. You, a lot of players, they've got, they're going one for 20. They're thinking, you know what? Let's hit the casino tonight. Let's forget about <laughs> baseball for a moment. We got a night game tomorrow. We could sleep in a little bit. It's going to be fine, but I need to get out of my head. They weren't able to do that last year because they were stuck in hotel rooms and under close watch. You know, if a player was running around during the pandemic, it would have been all over social media. So I think that's really what complicated things for a lot of star players last year. Chris Bryant being one of it, Yelich and Nolan Arenado, of course. Yeah, you bring up a, a great point, you know, in the famous words of Yogi Berra baseball is 90% mental, you know, it, yes. it, it is such a, a mental game. And I think that that's like something like not only just like baseball wise, I take last year's stats with a grain of salt for the most part. Um, but like also off the field, like you like just ditto to everything you said. And like, like you said, the battle at the hot corner could be fun this year with, with Bryant and Arenado. And I think Suarez is shifting back to third base after their shortstop failed experiment in Cincinnati. What's your hot take? Who's better right now? I mean, we, we might be biased, but who do you think is better right now, KB or Arenado? Well, statistically, KB is better. It's so close, though. I, yeah. I had to double check Arenado's stats this year, and I was like, man, he's got 10 home runs already. He's in 3 you know, this, and he still plays elite defense. Funny thing, Chris Bryant hasn't played third base in a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. The Cubs had Matt Duffy 
who was oddly enough the runner up in 2015 to Chris Bryant's rookie of the year season. Yeah, I remember that. You know, he went to he kind of got some injuries with San Francisco, went to Tampa Bay for a bit, and the Cubs just picked him up real cheap. I don't even think it was a guaranteed contract. And he's been fantastic. He's been exactly what this Cubs lineup has needed in the fact that he doesn't give away at bats and he makes solid contact. So the Cubs forever were allergic to RBIs. They <laughs> run her third base, less than two outs. I'm like, we're not going to get him in. Most teams, when you have a runner third with one out, it's almost a guarantee you're going to figure it out to get him in a ground ball to the right side, a, a deep enough fly ball. The Cubs were just struggling there. So a player like Matt Duffy with the high contact has really changed the whole lineup. He works the... He works deep counts and again, just not giving anything away, making the pitcher work, hitting the opposite field. So he's his emergence has kind of pushed KB to the outfield. And then with injuries, Ian Happ, and now Jason Hayward's on the aisle. I, I mean, I guess in that sense, Nolan's the better third base because he's actually <laughs> playing the position. But statistically, right now, I believe KB is still edging him. And I got to say this I will apologize if I ever meet Nolan Arenado. I slandered him a little bit. Well, first, I was annoyed that Colorado just gave him to you. Here's <laughs> yeah. a perennial all-star St. Louis. Take him off our hands. Oh, here's some money for, for your and trouble. And $50 million. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> and They're not paying him minutes, a dime this year. Cardinals aren't paying him a dime. It, 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 ridiculous. And he's probably not going <laughs> to opt out. So you have him for a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, with the CBA coming up, I would be shocked if he opted out. Because he's, he's making a pretty penny. Whereas Nick Castellanos, he's making $17 million. I could easily see him opting out with the season he's having. But I had said, we'll see how good Nolan is outside of Coors. Because his career splits, you know, outside of Coors, he's like a 790 OPS. For sure. Above average, but not in the way he was in Denver. So I, I, was, I owe you an apology, Nolan. If you're listening, and I'm sure you are, my bad. Because you are you are phenomenal no matter what ballpark you play in. More from Joe and myself in just a moment, but I want to tell you about Wealthfront because whether you're a beginner investor or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront can help you out create a low-cost index fund personalized just for you in minutes. No more manual trades, no more picking up stocks, no more watching the stock market every single day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences that you control. Wealthfront can even help lower the taxes you pay as you invest For the average client, their tax loss harvesting can more than cover the low annual 0.25% advisory fee. Best of all, it's automatic. All you need is $500 to get started, and Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnMLB. To get your first $5,000 managed for free, go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnMLB. That is W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T.com slash LockedOnMLB to start growing your savings. Once again, to get started today, head over to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnMLB. Yeah, that's that's one thing that's been a, a great thing to see. And I want to touch on Matt Duffy and a guy like I know who you love, Nico Horner, in just a minute. But one thing that I, I want to share with you about uh, what former Rock, Locked on Rockies host uh, Ryan Latica always brought up about that, that Coors effect that everybody talks about that I think is real. But the fact that Arenado isn't having to adjust day in and day out to above sea level, below, or whatever Colorado's at, you know, not adjusting has been so much easier on his body that that has made it, so much easier for just to him to get into the zone, hit like he can. You know, I thought honestly the home run numbers would take a hit, and they really haven't. You know, like he said, already got ten home runs. He's top ten in so many categories within the National League statistically. He's been a godsend to St. Louis Cardinals, and not that the Cardinals franchise was 
you know, down in the dumps that they needed this big boost, but it really is close to as close to a franchise altering trade as you can get from a team that just made the playoffs the year before. So he's been great. I think that even though KB is playing a little bit more than just third base, it's, it's, a, it's a fun battle because they're both really solid players. Like you said at the top of the show, I just enjoy good baseball. Not a, what, what patch you're wearing on the side of your shoulder. I love it. Um, I just listened to a couple of your shows and you seem really high on guys like Nico Horner and Matt Duffy. And in a day and age, and we're talking like how bad old school baseball is, how bad these unwritten rules are as a former Cardinal managers in the news recently, if you haven't heard about it, you listened <laughs> to my podcast yesterday. Um, but these guys are still old school type hitters in the sense that they don't strike out very much. You think that that's really what's helped the Cubs offense kind of kick it into gear? Yeah, 100%. I think the Cubs offense was built in a way where at the time, a lot of teams were building the, their offense this way, where it's a lot of power hitters and the strikeout was some Theo Epstein famously recently has been saying that he admits that he was one of the proponents of the three true outcomes mm-hmm. being walk, strikeout, home run. And for a time, it made sense. It didn't make sense, but you understood it. Meaning like a strikeout, a pop up, but they're all out at the end of the day. If this type of approach leads to more home runs and more strikeouts. The home runs will be enough of a positive to outweigh the strikeout. But on the flip side of that, the, it creates a boomer bust offense, meaning the Cubs will have games where they put up 11, 12 runs, and then they'll have games where they get one loud foul. They'll have like an infield single and, every, and they strike out 17 times. And a lot of that's because they're easy to game plan for because their styles are so similar outside of Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Wilson Contreras, Ian Happ. These are, are all high strikeout guys. Uh, KB's brought his down a little bit, and so have Contreras, but th- everyone else I named are very high strikeout guys. Right. Kyle Schwarber before that the last few seasons. And you could attack them in similar ways because th- they're all guys who are hitting fly balls. So if you, you could attack them low in the zone, change their eye level a little bit, and that's where the Cubs would get killed. So mixing it up and diversifying the lineup, which they did have in 2016 when they won it all, with Dexter Fowler at the top and Ben Zobris in the middle. Ben Zobris was the key guy there because he Mm -hmm. walked more than he struck out. He was elite in that category as far as contact rate goes. So Matt Duffy and Nico Horner being two guys that hit fastballs well, go with the pitch, and that's what you need a little bit of. For some reason, the Cubs had like six guys in their lineup that all had 30 home run potential, which is great on paper, but sometimes you forget. Sometimes you need a 275 hitter mm-hmm. who could chop the ball the other way and do some of the little things. You don't. You need some role players. You don't need everyone who has the potential to be a superstar because then when the team's slumping, they all think they're the one who could hit the mythical five-run home run to break out of the slump. You know, like it's mm-hmm. It was frustrating to watch at times because you know the potential is there, but they were just putting way too much pressure on themselves when things were going south. Yeah, you bring up a good point of just being able to attack hitters the same way. And I feel like as good as Javier Baez is, and I'm not going to take anything away from him, but there has been times throughout his career where all you have to throw is a slider on the outside corner and he's done. Like he's not going to change his approach. And it leads to results. Got Some guys can do it better than others. And it just baseball is weird like that. You know, you have these weird anomalies. Uh, but that's a good point you bring up. And I think that that's something that I think baseball is going to need more of if, if the averages continue to dip. And, you know, I think we're like at an historically low rate of averages right now. And I think that baseball might need more guys like Nico Horner, like Matt Duffy. And on the Cardinals side, more guys like Tommy Edmund. Tommy Edmund, the leadoff hitter for St. Louis, top five in the NL and hits right now. Slugging's not great, but he's getting on base and he's getting hits. Um, so that, that, that's a good point to bring up. Before we break down into the, the series, and I do want to get your take on the series and what we're coming up against. Um, Cardinals have another interesting dynamic with at first base with Paul Goldschmidt versus Anthony Rizzo. I mean, talk about stars at, at the first base. Um, 
there's tons of stats we could get into. And Rizzo is also in contract, if I'm not mistaken. And I yes. believe I remember you lis- listening to your show a couple of days ago or yesterday or today saying that you think that they need to re-sign Rizzo. Why? Well, I think some of it's sentimental. I'll admit that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Anthony Rizzo is – they don't have a first baseman ready. There's no mm-hmm. one knocking on the door. I think he'll be a solid player for the next two or three seasons. So I'm I'm still comfortable giving him a five-year deal. I believe the DH is coming to the National League. I do too. And even though Rizzo is the reigning gold glove winner there, in a couple of years, you could see him sliding over to the DH spot. And that's also why I like the idea of extending KB because you could slide him over to first base. He was playing it the other day when uh, Rizzo left the game early with back spasms. <laughs> that's crazy to me. <laughs> yeah, he could play every – he plays yeah. all the outfield positions. He's even played center. The only position he has not played – I think shortstop, but I guess he did get a couple innings at shortstop like in 2016 in a, in a bind for, for whatever reason, like an extra inning game where some double switch went awry. That's crazy. I, yeah, so I want Anthony Rizzo extended. I think the same reason the Cardinals keep wanting Yadi Molina's extended. You know, sometimes you have a player that just means a lot to you, and even though you're like the best days are probably behind him, which I don't even know if that's the case for Anthony. I still think he's pretty solid overall. His OPS is a little over 800 right now. He's been a notoriously bad April hitter. Mm-hmm. I was checking his his splits over the course of his career. April's never been a good month for him. And he's a leader, too. He's a leader. So right. if the Cubs are going to do like a little mini reset, which some of these pitching arms coming up, throwing as well as they are, might make them – it might speed up whatever process they're going with. That's, the thing the frustrating thing as a Cubs fan right now is we have no idea what direction we're going in. Because some people are like, oh, they traded you. That means they're eventually going to blow it all up. They're not going to sign any of the core guys. They're going to let them walk, and they're going to go young. And as a Cubs fan, we're thinking, why? It's not like we have lingering big contracts. After this year, we have like $48 million committed to the 2022 payroll. Wow. I mean, that's that's Tampa Bay Ray level, and we have the highest ticket prices in baseball. And we just launched a new television network. So to rebuild right now would make zero sense. And as a Cubs fan, I'd hope fellow Cubs fans wouldn't put up with that. Mm-hmm. There's just no excuse to rebuild when you're a major market like this. And when you have some young pieces on the rise and you have money to spend, it does. It just makes zero sense to me. This isn't like the Alfonso Soriano Cubs or when we had Marlon Bird and you're like, oh, God, what are we doing signing these guys? You know, there's there were some bad years where we're just like buying free agents just because we thought maybe it would sell a ticket because it's an, an attempt at winning. You know what I mean? They would try to fool the fan base into thinking, oh, I wonder if signing Jeremy Burnitz will get them excited enough to buy a couple extra tickets, you know, stuff like that, where you're just like, what are you doing? I just realized you were probably four when that happened. That was a 2006 <laughs> signing, I believe. I remember watching Soriano. I, I don't know who that last guy you mentioned is. No clue. Just going to Jeremy Burnitz was a guy who had a few good seasons for the Brewers where he had like 35, 40 home runs. It's a lefty. The Cubs signed him toward the end of his career. And I remember some people being like, Burnett's used to kill us. I'm like, yeah, seven years ago when he was in his prime. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure my uncle who lives in Chicago knows who that is. And I'm sure that he's still cursing the Cubs for that move as, as he tends to do. But um, but yeah, I think that it is interesting because the Cubs do seem to be in a state of limbo here. And, you know, I feel like last offseason, a lot of the front offices were saying, oh, we, we lost a lot of money due to COVID and all this stuff. And I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that these front offices and these franchises lost money. I do doubt that it's that significant that you're going to have to not sign a single major league baseball player. These are million billion dollar for um, franchises and all these, especially a team like the Cubs, a team like the Cardinals Cubs are a bit of a higher market, but the same thing goes. They're going to get the fans back in the stands. They're going to make money. 
that again, that's, that's a different soapbox that I want to get on, but I do think it's interesting. The split that the Cubs seem to be going on. Are they going to be aggressive and go? Are they going to, are they going to rebuild again? Do you think a lot of that has to do with, with this season and how this team performs? Definitely. Because if, you know, if it, if come mid July, we're only two games out of the division, I think right now we're three games out of first place and two games out of the final wild card spot. I could be a game off with that. Everyone, you can't just sell off. It would look horrifically bad from the ownership and front office's standpoint to be like on July 15th going, we just don't think we're going to catch the team that we're teams away from. We're going to trade Chris Bryant. We're going to trade Kimbrough. We're going to trade Rizzo. We're going to trade by that would, that's the type of thing that some franchises don't come back from even a Cubs fan base that's been like super loyal. I think this ownership, if they're not wise, it's going to bite them because I know a lot of fans who aren't as diehard. I mean, they're still diehard, but not quite mm-hmm. as crazy as they were because they've seen a world series. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're a little spoiled as a Cardinals fan. <laughs> they've had a couple in your lifetime and yeah. what 11 or 12 overall mm-hmm. 11 Our, as my whole life, I was told the Cubs would never win a World Series. They'd be like, ah, it's never going to happen. Don't get your hopes up, kid. Everyone said they'll break your heart, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and once it finally happened, I remember having this weird feeling going, oh, it's never going to get as good as that. And I still want them to win the World Series every year. But I know the next World Series will never be as good as 2016. No. And a lot of the Cubby lore was the fact that Cubs fans wanted to stay loyal because when that day did come, when they won the whole thing, they wanted that loyalty to have paid off. And it did. It was one of the craziest celebrations uh, of all time. Five million people came to the parade. I think it was like the seventh largest gathering of human beings in the history of the world. And the other six <laughs> yeah. were like when famous uh, local leaders died or not local leaders, national leaders, like you right. know, some queen died and like 8 million people showed up. But yeah, so I really think they have to, I, I think it would just be a colossal mistake not to go for it. It's not, it's like you said, they, it's a huge market. We don't have the giant stadium you guys do, but to just act like the pandemic was so bad that we can't afford all the, you know, names and all this kind of, is a little ridiculous. I understand going a different direction saying like, Hey, Javi Baez, we love you, but the price you're asking for and the strikeouts and your style of play, we just, we need, we want to hit her as more, a little more contact. We'd rather go like a Corey Seager or, you know, just whatever, fine. But if they're just going to say, forget it and not spend it all, that is treasonous to my, in my mind. (laughs) One more break in the action to bring you one more break before we finish up the conversation with Joe. And that is to tell you about Built Bar. The bar has nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor. And every Built Bar fan has their favorites. I'm looking at a double chocolate bar right now that just came in. And if you don't know the Built Bar flavors, you're missing out. We've got coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate and salted caramel. So there's something for everyone. My favorite flavor, as I just mentioned, is double chocolate. And you all know that I do love a cookies and cream whenever they're available. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. They're covered 100% in chocolate, but they also are healthy. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs. Order today and get whatever you'd like. Head over to BuiltBar.com to order and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Once again, that promo code is L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Yeah, I think that you know, 2016 was a glorious year. I mean, even me as a Cardinal fan, I mean, obviously a little bit extra biased because of my twin brother being a Cub fan, but 
I, I was really happy. I mean, th- th- you just can't not be happy for, I mean, they, they were the lovable losers for so long and, you know, every world series is great, but you, I agree with you. Nothing's going to, going to reach that height. Um, and you were correct. C- C- Cubs are three games back as of, we report here Thursday night, Cubs are three games back of the Cardinals in the um, divisional standings. And then three games back of the Dodgers, the second wildcard team. So before I let you go, let, let's get into this series here. Cause it's an interesting series. Friday night, tonight, whenever this gets released, it's Hendricks versus Martinez. Hendricks' numbers are not good, but they're really good against St. Louis. Let me throw them at you. 288 ERA and 20 starts. His whip is just above one. 128 innings, just 114 hits. He always dominates St. Louis. You say he's been pitching well as of late. Why? (laughs) What's your expert opinion on why? Well, his command came back. He and well, he it was a little weird month of April. I was talking about this with a few other Cubs fans. He had two starts against the Braves, where the Braves absolutely destroyed him. Oh my goodness, yeah. And I was looking at Atlanta's numbers against Kyle individually over the years, and they've always hit him hard. Interesting. Former Cardinal Ozuna, I remember, even when you just said those great numbers that Hendricks has, I feel like he was the only guy he couldn't get out. Yeah. I feel like he always pitched like Carpenter well and Goldschmidt well, and even Arenado, who's obviously new to your team, but I recall him doing well against him in Colorado. I could be wrong on that, though. Marcelo Ozuna was always the guy that would just destroy Kyle Hendricks, and he did that in Atlanta, and obviously Acuna kills a lot of people. <laughs> so if you remove those two starts from Hendricks's, uh slate this year, numbers aren't are, are much better mm-hmm. much much better and what's turned around lately for him it's just all command i mean he's a finesse pitcher he's got the two seamer working a little bit better now the change up is is diving downwards and he's controlling it better and he kind of was throwing what i heard a few people call like a leaky fastball you know still hitting <laughs> 88 89 which is his range which obviously doesn't scare anybody but it would run in towards the hitter real well so mm-hmm. he would get like weak contact and this one he was throwing was almost like a, was like a fluttering 89 mile an hour fastball, which is just, uh, you know, a hitter's wet dream. If I could say that he, they were just, they were crushing him, crushing him. So, um, he's got, he's gotten that back. The command is there. And, uh, I don't know if he's, just, he's been kind of a bad April starter too. Kind of like a Rizzo. I don't mm-hmm. know if these finesse guys just don't grip it as well when the weather's a little bit cold. So as the weather warms up, he tends to warm up. So hopefully mm-hmm. it's sunny in St. Louis tomorrow. Well, it's been warm last couple of days here in Bloomington, Illinois, so it'll probably be sunny and they'll probably throw a no-hitter because apparently no-hitters are free to come by these days. Um, yeah, it's unreal. But, yeah, but that's, again, different discussion. That's crazy. But Carlos Martinez goes for the Cardinals. If you take out his last start, his three starts before his last bad start was 0.84 over those three starts, and I think he, he's coming off a right ankle strain that he strained while he was jumping up and down celebrating. That tells you all you need to know about Carlos Martinez. <laughs> he's a he's a weird guy. Celebrates a lot. So I think hey, it's that, passion. It's passionate. It's pa- no, yeah, absolutely. I wasn't trying to be too negative. I, I love it. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, th- that should be an interesting start. Miles Michaelis gets the ball on Saturday to make his season debut. His first time taking the mound since 2019. He takes the ball against Adbert Alzale. He Alzale seems to have good stuff, uh, but his numbers don't really impress me all that much. Real quickly, what, what have you seen from Alzale this year? Well, I think his ERA is still in the fours, which is unfortunate. A lot of that's because the Cubs are kind of handling him with kid gloves. There's been a few times where he's been taken out with like two earned. And so he had, his first start of the season was a bad one. And he's mm-hmm. never really lowered his ERA truly from that because he just hasn't gone deep enough in games. He had a couple starts against back-to-back starts against Atlanta and LA in which he made their best hitters look bad. He struck out Mookie Betts twice in which Mookie was walking away being like, what was that? 
He throws yeah. a really nasty slider that I think is going to turn some heads down in St. Louis. It'll really impress your fan base. And the fastball's got life to it. It's 95, 96. He's been commanding it well. He's, he's a guy, though, if you look at his last seven starts, I believe, he's been lowering the ERA every time. But because mm-hmm. he hasn't gone too deep in the ball game, it hasn't been lowered significantly enough. I believe his last outing, he gave up three earned in five innings against the Nationals. And that was probably his rockiest start in his last four or five before that. It could mm-hmm. be a little off. But I remember against Atlanta and L.A., he made some of the best hitters in baseball look bad. And that's what I look for out of a young pitcher. Because, you know, p- prospects always get hyped here or there. I want to see how they look against the best. And he had some of the best shaking their heads as they were walking back to the dugout. Yeah, I think he's, he, he showed some good stuff last year. And as we kind of wrap it up here, Sunday night baseball, second time in a row for St. Louis. Wainwright gets the ball for the second consecutive Sunday night baseball game against Zach Davies, who's had a much better May, even though his ERA is still north of five. I've always been a big fan of Davies, even going back to his days in Milwaukee um, in San Diego. Wainwright historically has not pitched well against Chicago in his career, but he has pitched well at home. I think Sunday night could be a really, really good game. Definitely. I'm surprised you say Wainwright hasn't pitched that well against Chicago. I feel like I'm never happy to see him. I feel like he's one of those and he's, He's one of those pitchers that the Cardinals always seem to develop that when I give him a look, I'm like, oh, we should be able to hit this guy. And he just dominates. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he's lost some life on his fastball, but he seems to be smarter, uh, becoming a smarter pitcher with age, kind of like how Jake Arrieta is starting to be for the Cubs. I mean, mm-hmm. they're guys that just don't have the stuff they used to have, but they'll still get hitters out. And what they do more importantly than anything is they eat innings and they keep you in the ball game. So you're, you know, I, I haven't looked too closely at Wainwright's numbers, but I got to expect as a Cardinal fan, you you expect a quality start, three earned in six innings, turn it over mm-hmm. to the pen, enough to keep the offense. Especially at home. Game, right, yeah, so exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that one. It's going to be beautiful all weekend, high 80s, I checked, in Chicago. <laughs> so I imagine St. Louis will probably be just as, as gorgeous. I'm sure it'll be insanely hot. I know how the humidity gets down there. Yeah. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be, a, it's, it's, it's again, as pivotal as it could be in May. The Cubs could sweep and it won't be the end of the Cardinals season and the Cardinals could sweep as well. It won't be good for the Cubs, but it definitely (laughs) isn't the end of the road. Um, I'm expecting a very close series, though. I agree. Yeah. For, for reference, real quick, 261 innings for Wayne against Chicago in his career in the area of 4.12. I know he had a really good start against them in 2019, going eight innings with a cold, long diving catch to end his day. Um, and he had a really good start last year as well. Um, but yeah, so again, just to wrap up, what's your, I know baseball is so hard to predict, but I'll give mine. What's your serious prediction? I think the Cubs will take two out of three. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I, I really mean that. I think they will lose on Sunday night, though. I think they'll take the first two. And then uh, I think the Cardinals might actually beat up Zach Davies pretty good. But I think uh, I think you guys are going to be really shocked at how how electric Edward Elzele's stuff is on Saturday. Friday is, is a tough one for me to say, but I think Hendricks is going to continue on the right path. And I think two out of three, I think it's going to be some close games, though. Yeah, I think they're all close. I'm going to, obviously, I'm going to go opposite from you. I say, I do agree with you. The Cardinals lose Friday, but I think the Cardinals are able to get enough. I think that the leaves early enough. The Cardinals can beat up on the bullpen, even though you say they've been good. I think Cardinals just get it done Friday or Saturday. And I rarely ever bet against Adam Wainwright. And I rarely, rarely ever bet against Adam Wainwright at home. So I'm going Adam Wainwright to get a bounce back start on Sunday. Um, 
and the Cardinals take two out of three. But no matter what, it's Cardinals, it's Cubs. It'll be fun. I'm excited. Joe, we're going a little bit long, but I appreciate you hanging with me. Appreciate you going up, hopping on. Tell my listeners where they can find you. You can find me on YouTube. My YouTube channel has got over three hours of stand-up comedy content and uh, other comedy-related podcasts. But you can follow me. That's just YouTube.com slash Joe Kilgallen. Kilgallen, K-I-L. Gallon, like gallon of milk. G-A-L-L-O-N. And then I'm on Twitter at Joe Kilgallen, and it's at Lockdown Cubs. Love it. And as you guys know, I'm at LJ Fastball on Twitter at L-O underscore Cardinals. It's the show on Twitter and Instagram. And until I talk to you next time, be sure to stay safe, stay well, and have a fantastic day.